0: Coming up on Chase and Natty, it's here. We're finally there. It's the final weekend of CFF 2022. We've come a long way. Many of you have made your championships, and you are ready to finally just win the whole darn thing. Let's get right to it. We're gonna get recap this past week's games. We'll be giving you some waiver wire pickups. We're also gonna turn a little eye towards 2023 just a little bit as things start to kick off as the offseason really starts to hit us a little bit here as some teams seasons come to an end we got plenty to figure out all this and more coming right after this
1: look no! to Jared Stearns who
0: This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in, everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. I hope several of you are driving to work thinking about how awesome it is that you have made it to your league's championship. Again, some of y'all play in some really, really big leagues, and most of y'all, or some, a lot of y'all, have made it down to the final two in those leagues. It's a lot of work. Y'all have done a great job so far. And even, if you, even if you haven't made it, I'm sure a lot of you guys had really, really good teams this year that you should absolutely be proud of. And we're here to help you guys finish strong in the season here. We got plenty, plenty to talk about. We had a wild weekend of college football. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll discuss a few waiver wire pickups, not as many as we normally do because again, a lot of you who are in league championships already, you have your studs, you have your guys that you're gonna roll with into championship weekend. And then we got plenty of stuff to talk about in terms of going ahead and starting to look towards 2023 and to help us out with that, of course, we have our wonderful co-host here, Mr. Nate Marquise. Nate, how are you doing today, sir?
1: Fantastic, man. It's, uh, it's a cold Sunday here in Kansas City, but uh, last night was a, uh, a fantastic Saturday, uh, especially since OU uh, figured out how to win football games again and won Bedlam, so pretty stoked about that. Yep. uh and uh you know semi-finals weekend for college fantasy which was a lot of fun uh just trying to trying to scratch by and, and make it to the finals so um it was a lot of fun a lot of, it was a good weekend for football
0: yeah it was a really good saturday and again a lot a lot of weird stuff going on in college football i i chalk it up to the fact that uh it was just a lot of voodoo and that anybody who plays lsu in the next couple of weeks namely my georgia Bulldogs, should be scared of LSU because. They're the ones who typically get associated with all that voodoo. So
1: <laughs> so true. <laughs> I know,
0: right? Um, so we got we to be scared. Uh, again, I guess we could go ahead and just get talking into like some of these games this past weekend and everything. Um, yeah, let's do it. So much of this, so much of the action just happened at the top. Pretty much everybody, except for LSU, who got to play UAB, lucky you, this past weekend. Um, everybody at the top was in a fight for their lives it felt like um surprisingly the most dominant performance out of the bunch is the 10 point win that georgia had over kentucky in a game that did not eclipse 22 points between the two teams that was a really weird game that was a game georgia had three possessions the entire first half Like you want to talk about teams just absolutely milking the clock that was nuts literally we got to the first okay a cbs game a CBS game ended at 6:40, three hours after kickoff. That is unheard of for CBS primetime games. They were <laughs> looking for way they like they were just outwardly just throwing you to commercial at every given second because they knew that that game was going to be over so so quickly. So like every time there was even like remotely like something that they could stop the clock for and throw the time to TV timeout, they did. Very, very weird. But again, that is weird. That, it's even weirder that that was the most dominant performance out of the bunch because Ohio State and Maryland, yeah, Ohio State won by 13 points, but a lot of that came from a fumble that uh, Talia Tagovailoa had literally as the clock expired. They scored a scoop and score. Ohio State was fighting for their lives throughout that entire game. Nate, what were your thoughts on Ohio State and Maryland final score there, 43-30? to 30.
1: Yeah. I mean, the score is probably not a great indication of, of the real separation between those two, but at the same time, it never really felt like Ohio state was really in trouble. I don't know. It was like, they always uh, they always kind of had the lead and then Maryland would, you know, make a play or two to kind of keep it close. But at no point that I think, Oh, I think Ohio state's going to lose this game. I just thought that um, that when their defense needed to make plays, they would. and, And that's, you know that's actually what happened. Um, they they were able to get that, that scoop and score there at the end. It was just a weird game. I mean, Trevi uh on Henderson gets hurt again. Again. Um, he was seen in a boot, uh, you know, in the second half of that game. Dallas Hayden plays, chip uh chip Trianum does not. Um, Mayan Williams obviously doesn't. So yeah, it's just kind of weird. Um, kind of lumping this game in with Michigan. We got both of the star running backs. Potentially out for the big game, which is it's kind of a bummer. Um, but I, I just Ohio State, it's just one of those teams. I don't ever think they're gonna lose until they actually lose because they just seem to be able to 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 flip that switch whenever they want to. And sometimes they're motivated and and that's that switch gets flipped earlier, and sometimes it, it doesn't get flipped till the very end.
0: Yeah, I definitely would say that Ohio State is one of those top programs that just has the talent to be able to get out of a hairy situation pretty much whenever they need to, unless they're just straight up getting beat. Like last year in the, the game uh, against Michigan, that like Michigan just straight up beat them, especially in the run game and everything. Like, there was nothing they could do about that. Um, Dallin Hayden in this game. Trayvon goes down and everything, but Dallin Hayden, 27 carries, 146 yards, three touchdowns there. How excited are you Nate from a dynasty perspective for him moving forward? Cause I know a lot of guys at campus can almost in a way kind of wrote him off because they're like, Oh, there's no way he's going to get touches when he's behind guys like uh Mayan Williams, when he's behind
1: Travion Henderson and everything. Is he somebody
0: we got to look out for moving forward here?
1: I think he's made enough of an impact that this coaching staff knows what they have. And it looks like they have something pretty talented there. And Let's be honest. He was better than, than Henderson in this game before, before Henderson got hurt. And maybe that, maybe, you know, Henderson just wasn't a hundred percent, but let's, I mean, Henderson hasn't been great this year. Uh, He certainly hasn't lived up to what we all expected from him from a, from a CFF perspective. So um, yeah, it's just kind of a weird situation when you have three really good running backs there and they're going to continue to stockpile talent um, I'm curious to see how that plays out. Does Mayan Williams transfer? Does he go pro? Does he come back healthy enough? Uh, you know, they've. it looks like they've at least got a few games left in the season for him to yeah. kind of give himself some draft stock to be able to move on. And then it's a split backfield between two guys next year. Who knows?
0: What I am.
1: I am not by any means the predictor,
0: like a 100% predictor of who will stay and who will go. The vibe I'm kind of getting, though, from what I have heard around Ohio State, is that it sounds like Mayan probably moves on after this year.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably a, a fair assessment, and and um, I don't think Ohio State's going to skip a beat. And the Hayden looks looks good. Um, I, but yeah, I'm with you. If if Michigan kind of punches them in the mouth, which Michigan is fully capable of doing, uh, given you know how how strong they are in the trenches, it's going to be really interesting to see how Ohio State responds and and they're going to have to respond with uh depending on some young guys like Hayden it sounds like you know like mm-hmm. uh Egg and and guys like that it does not I, I i would say with confidence we're probably not going to see Henderson or mm-hmm. JSN maybe we see mine i still think they're probably pushing it to think that he's going to be back by next week yeah
0: very very possible and a quick plug here college fantasy tonight is a show on campus of canton every saturday night after the games and during some of the later night games they come on They recap the days they had a great discussion on how exactly michigan would be able to overcome ohio state next week so if you're interested in in more about hearing about that absolutely go check out that segment from that show on the campus canton youtube they did a great job over there speaking of michigan Blake Corum goes down in this game. We don't really know the severity of the injury. There's some people saying that it's not bad enough that he'll probably be back next week for the game. Uh there's some people out there floating rumors of an MCL uh injury in which case there's no way he's back for next week and he might be done for the year probably at that point. Um let's say the like worst-case scenario here. Like Corum is done here and he's I mean he's moving on to the NFL after this year anyway. What do you think about the future of this Michigan backfield? Because I think right now this is a system that I think CFF players can learn to try to find the main guy from. So we got two main guys here, Donovan Edwards and C.J. Stokes. Nate, either one of those guys, some people, your guys you're looking at for like next year, I mean, obviously more than likely these guys are already on your dynasty roster, but are, are you trying to acquire any, either one of those guys in like trades for next year, hoping you get a Blake Corum next year? What do you think?
1: Do you mean Donovan Edwards or Braylon Allen? I do.
0: Not, <laughs> I, mean, let's, I I'm let's, not
1: throwing. I'm not throwing that rumor out around here. Let's, but let's talk about the uh, the elephant in the room here, and that is the you know the heavy rumor that that Braylon Allen's going to end up at Michigan. Um, I so we've we've talked about Edwards before. I still question how how good of a running back he really is, or if he's really just more of a change of pace guy. And I question if, you know, I think the staff kind of leans that way as well, too. We've seen this. We, we all thought this was going to be a 50-50 split. We yep. all thought, well, there's no way Blake Coram can, um, you know, his body can hold up to being a 25 plus carry guy. And that staff said, no, absolutely not. He is the workhorse and yep. we will we will spell him with Donovan Edwards. Um I th- I think Stokes is nice. I think he's I think he's got a future. I've talked about him in in my dynasty article. I think he's got a future there. But I do think that um it's reasonable to think this staff does go to the transfer portal, and uh, I I think they're going to be able to sell whoever is one of those top guys in the portal. I think they can definitely sell them on going to Michigan and being a a stud. Um, but I think Edwards is going to you know he's going to have his role for sure. Yeah, and it's a it's it's clearly a a system that can support multiple running backs.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I'll throw out while we're throwing out rumors around here. Have you heard the latest one
1: about Braylon and going to USC? Um, I think us if if there's anybody that is um creeping around uh lurking and making contact with players already it's Lincoln I, riley i think it's lincoln riley so i yeah. any any rumor of a player going to usc is probably justified to a certain degree because i'm sure lincoln has hopped in uh, it slid into somebody's dm here or there over the last month trying to uh uh you know see if they're interested at all in 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 sunny uh los angeles yeah absolutely um moving on to TCU Baylor
0: here we don't have to spend a ton of time here i just want to really congratulate TCU on just finding ways to win and oh any my gosh. given week they are like again i i'm i'm rooting for them to make it to the playoff at this point like that like i don't care if they get smashed by the first team that they come into contact there whether it be ohio state or georgia or michigan or whatever I I just want to see them do it because they have been doubted every single time that they come up against somewhat of an opponent. I did say this game was going to be close. I I fought Austin on including this game to uh for the tailgate last week. I said I'd rather see TCU Baylor because I think that's going to be a close game. Did he think
1: and it was going to be a blowout?
0: I I think I think he yeah I, th- I think he said it just wouldn't wasn't going to be as interesting as some of the other games. Now granted. Oh, yeah. The game thought, we were fighting over was, was Arkansas Ole Miss, which that was a whole mess
1: in and of itself. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, dude, the finish of this game, it, it TCU and Baylor, was incredible. Sonny Dykes had a Les Miles uh, moment of clock management that was just hilariously bad, mm-hmm. and like their kicker had to sprint onto the field and almost like. Happy Gilmore kicked it where he didn't even stop running. Like he just ran straight from the <laughs> sidelines, didn't stop. They snapped the ball and he just kicked it through. The, the, I mean, incredible amount of stones that that kicker had to have missed an extra point earlier in the game mm-hmm. and, and just to nail that one cold blooded. It was an incredible finish. Um, yeah. Max, Max saw Duggan was uh, was a stud again. Yes, was. It was good to see him making plays down the stretch without Quentin Johnson. He's hurt again. Um, I would uh, again. I, I don't he know played, if he's going to play. He did. He did. He came. He played. They threw a deep ball. He re-injured his ankle and, uh, you know, that ankle man. It's, it's one of those games where they play Iowa State next week. You, you would like to get him rest. Iowa State's not that good. But at the same time, every game that they play is close. Every game in the Big 12 seems to be close. And they've got literal title hopes on the line. So it's but, like, man, get out there and, and see what can happen. I mean the good news is they're playing
0: against hunter deckers next week so they're probably only going to have to score like maybe 20 points max to, right <laughs> like actually put the put the win in so but then again they played against texas and they only scraped by was 17 there so yeah. college football is a weird place um is
1: it is it is it a any weirder than what happened in columbia yeah I was, I, was,
0: I, was, I was gonna say like speaking of really strange games um I was kind of hoping that Vanderbilt would be the one to kind of dash the hopes of the Tennessee Vols, but you know, I'll take South Carolina and I literally put out a tweet like after South Carolina scored their first two touchdowns and like just eviscerated Tennessee's defense. I was like, Gamecocks, don't you dare give me hope that you're going to, you're going to take down Tennessee this week. Like I'm, I'm ready for Tennessee. The dam's going to break open any minute here. Any minute now, this damn's gonna. Bra- oh my God, South Carolina! What have you done? <laughs> what have you done, dude? Spencer Rattler. This is this is like the enigma of Spencer Rattler. He is he just has days where suddenly he is Patrick Mahomes. He is um the five star quarterback that you like we've always wanted him to be, and it comes at the randomest times where he just performs super well. Again, like well over 400 yards in this game, six touchdowns. They started using Jaheen Bell a whole ton again. Like again, yeah. I think I think Mama had words with the coaching staff and they, they realized that they have an athlete and a weapon in Jaheen Bell. Uh and then Antoine Wells got, got work again. He had almost two hundred yards receiving and Tennessee. Like again, some people could say and Hooker got hurt in the fourth. I'm like, okay, yes, but they were down twenty five at that point, so yeah. I don't think that was a huge thing. Again, prayers for Henan Hooker. I hope he's okay. And it really would suck if that if this was the end of his career at Tennessee, but again, Tennessee's defense finally really came back to bite them. They, like we've yeah. kind of known it all along this season, but here we go. What do you, what do you think about this game? Nate? I had a fun watch. I had so much fun watching this game.
1: It, it was an entertaining game. And I mean, it's, you know, nighttime game, South Carolina, they they can actually get it going. there, pretty good in, in Columbia. That place can get rocking um, at the, at, you know, at the right time. Um I thought it was, He's just scrolling through Twitter this morning. Everybody was retweeting a lot of the um, Tennessee guys, you know, that have a pretty good following on Twitter that Mm -hmm. had tweeted out maybe like an hour before the game when the Michigan game was going on and uh, TCU game was going on and they're they're all tweeting, you know, Hey, these guys are, you know, these guys are bums. They're, they're going to lose to unranked teams. We're the ones that belong in in the, uh, in the playoffs. And then lo and behold, they lose to an unranked team, but um, so it was, it was, it was pretty hilarious, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to explain what we saw from South Carolina. It's hard to explain Spencer Rattler when, when, uh, his agent, you know, sends the, the highlight tape to, uh, to NFL GMs, it's literally going to just be Tennessee on the other side of that highlight tape, because mm-hmm. this is about all we've gotten from him all year. I mean, he's, <laughs> He's been really bad. I think he had like eight touchdowns coming into this game and he got six in this game alone. Hey,
0: you know, he's probably gone from undrafted free agent to maybe a fifth round pick now. So that's saving, that's saving something right there.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully this, uh, hopefully this was an opportunity for him to make some money.
0: Again, you're, t- you're talking about the Tennessee fans on
1: Twitter. Again, all the ones that
0: I know personally, so like t- dynasty, dynasty pros, Tom, Matt, uh, my friend, Jordan, like all the Tennessee fans. I know personally, they're all great, but like, average Tennessee reply guy on Twitter oh oh man I'm so, I, I it it felt good to watch them vol's, react to
1: this game vol's Twitter is like unhinged Twitter like they are they are they're they're out there man like oh, they're yeah. crazy and okay. um it's it, it was it was not um a good place for them to be <laughs> uh at the end of this at the end of this game because Twitter was lighting them up
0: yeah, absolutely. Speaking of lighting it up, uh let's go over to in my opinion was the best game on the weekend. Night game over here. Number 7 USC 48, number 16 UCLA 45. Uh first of all, shout out to Dorian Thompson-Robinson in this game for becoming the QB1 on the weekend for how well he performed in this game. Dude basically put this entire game on his shoulders for UCLA threw his body on, on the line there, took hit after hit, was down on the ground multiple times, got himself back up. It really sucked to watch him throw that last interception on the on the final drive. Because I, I knew I, I could just tell how much he was putting into that game. Uh, so shout out to him, and then shout out to I would say our prob- our probable Heisman front runner now in Mr. Caleb Williams. Over 500 yards of offense for Caleb Williams in this game, 470 yards and about 30 to 40 rushing yards as well. Absolutely, absolutely insane day from him. Again, that that really is the story this game for me with these uh, with with these two teams. It was just it was, the, it was a quarterback duel that was wonderful. Uh, Jordan Addison's back, um, 11 receptions, 178 yards, a touchdown. You could tell they were saving him for this game austin jones slid right in where travis die was yep pretty much the only two disappointments i thought were in this game one uh mario williams man that's his value has tanked for me throughout this year in terms of the fact that like he can never take advantage of the fact that your top receivers are down you should be the next guy up you literally follow caleb over to usc to be his guy and You have this incredible game where everybody's scoring points, everybody's trying to make plays, and you have one reception for 15 yards. Um, And then last but not least, Zach Charbonnet, man, some owners I know of him were really disappointed this weekend because Austin Nace said it perfectly where he said, how does UCLA score 45 points and Zach Charbonnet does not find the end zone at least once? So, D-
1: DTR is how the D- DTR, D-T-R is R- how. I think he he had at least two touchdowns from the one yard line. So um DTR is is known uh to be the kind of guy that keeps it when he gets it close to the goal line. So um not a big surprise there. But as as far as Mario Williams is concerned, here's the problem is that he's like five foot nine and he plays the outside receiver position, he plays the boundary receiver. And I don't know why Link is insistent on playing him out of place, but I think he could be a monster slot receiver and really see his value soar. But Lincoln was insistent on playing him at the boundary at Oklahoma, and he's doing the same thing there at USC. Uh, If you remember when Jordan Addison went out, uh, it was uh, the slot receiver, um, Taj Washington, who saw Mm -hmm. an uptick in in production there. Um, So, yeah, but... This was yeah this was an incredible game to watch. Caleb Williams uh I don't think there's a throw that he can't make. He can make it rolling to either direction, off script, on script, uh all three levels of the field um with touch, with zip, you know. I've I've ood and awed about Caleb for two years now. You don't need to hear it from me anymore. He was my QB1 coming into the season. And this is why, because this this uh this Alex Grinch defense is total trash and it will remain trash uh, because that's how he coaches. So, but I, it's 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 gonna be um, you know, just awesome watching all of these these studs at USC the next couple of years.
0: So Nate, can I tell you something that'll warm your heart here? Yes. Uh so Caleb Williams. You predicted him to be the QB1 on the year. Yeah. Currently, he is the QB3 on the year, only behind Bo Nix and Clayton Toon, uh, which we don't talk about Clayton Toon enough in the year he's had. A that, monster that,
1: second half. He actually got off to a slow start. He's had a monster second half of the season. Yeah,
0: that That's going to be a topic of, for our, our season recap show for sure. But um, Caleb Williams, if he scores 26 points, he surpasses Bo Nix. If he outscores Clayton Toon by 14 points, he'll be QB1 on the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think he's, um, you know, obviously they have Notre Dame, uh, which will be an interesting matchup. Notre Dame's defense is kind of hot and cold. They can look really good at times and at other times, not not so much, but um, that's going to be, it's going to be a fun matchup for sure. Um, the, The nice thing is, is that USC continues to eke out these close games and so lincoln is forced to you know play caleb at all times like there's no rest in here we got a legit and especially with the teams like tennessee um like uh i forget did anybody else go go down that was in front of them i mean usc's got a legit playoff shot now
0: uh no tennessee was the only one who really went down but i i agree with you the the win over ucla is going to bump up their resume a little bit i i think if they if they win out from here they probably make it in
1: yeah, it's uh, going to be even
0: a, even over the loser of the game between Michigan and Ohio State right, the conference that's where championship the, will help them out.
1: If TCU finds a way to win out, um then that's yeah, that's where the real debate comes in is it's going to be the it's going to be if, if USC can run the table and how do they stack up compared to the Big 10 championship loser or I guess Ohio State versus Michigan loser. We know who's going to win the Big 10 championship. Yeah, it's not going to be anybody from the West. That's for, that's for damn sure. Exactly, exactly. Speaking of
0: eking out close wins and everything like that, you guys are all probably out there eking out your close wins in your playoffs, and you still need a lot of resources. You still need a lot of great stuff out there in order to help you finish the job this weekend for your CFF or C2C college side championships. Well, we got the perfect team over here at Campus Again. We are the CFF team at Campus of Canton. It's myself, Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, and Chris Moxley. We got podcast articles weekly cff rankings including this week chris moxie's already working hard on those and they're probably out by the time that this podcast is out so go check it out on campus if you're watching this on youtube make sure you like comment and subscribe make sure you do all that helps us out a ton love the interaction with you guys down in the comics when every comments excuse me not the comics be interesting if we had comics down in the comment section um uh really <laughs> Godly. Um, Love the interaction with you guys down there. I love talking to you guys wherever you can. If you want to talk to me a little bit more, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared Nate's at CFF Nate. And if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you follow us and leave a five star review. And, And if you're on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us one of those written five star reviews. Again, we're set to finish the season here. We're set to have a little bit of a break before we get the ground running on 2023 content. And it is a perfect time for you to shoot over any kind of suggestions you have for the show next year, whether that is topics you want to hear during the off-season. It can be different segments. It could be what kind of graphics you want to see and everything. We'll get it figured out. With that being said, I think it's about time we head over to our second segment of the day here, Nate. And what we're going to do is that we're going to talk about some possible coaching change possibilities for this upcoming season. None of this that we're about to talk about is anything confirmed, although one of them, if you're looking at the screen, it's definitely been like the biggest rumor out there. It's basically an open secret at this point that this guy is heavily involved with this school. But we're going to go through four different guys here. The first two are guys that Nate and I have already kind of talked about ahead of time that we decided we want to talk about here and the possibility of them going to the new school. But then Nate brought up the fact that he said, I have a guy for Arizona State and I'm not going to tell you who it is. And I'm like, "Okay." so I get to react to this live on air and he's like, all right, I'm going to challenge you to find somebody for a new school and you're not going to tell me who that is. And I'm like, all righty, I like this. We'll do we'll do a little bit of live reveal as to who our head coaching candidates for some of these new schools are. My guy is for West Virginia. So you guys can go ahead and start thinking about who that could possibly be. But first, let's talk about one of the more known ones here. And we'll talk about how we think the CFF impact would go here. So first, let's talk about Lane Kiffin going from Ole Miss to Auburn. Again, nothing confirmed, nothing here. Again, we just want to talk about the possibility of this happening. Nate, what are your thoughts on if this happens?
1: At first, I thought... It's not going to happen. I, I didn't I, I thought that was too much of a lateral move. Um, I've argued with Chris Moxley about this, uh, about how good the Auburn job is. And and I'm kind of leaning, maybe he's right. Maybe maybe this is a decent step up for Lane, and he's not just gonna stick around Ole Miss and wait for Nick Saban to retire. I think the I if this does happen, then the I think the biggest impact is gonna be the portal King. I mean, that's yeah. what he is and how, how much that's going to impact Auburn. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm doing my, my uh, portal article about potential quarterbacks that could, you know, where, where they could find landing spots. And in the back of my mind with all these guys, I'm thinking, well, if Lane goes to Auburn, this guy could potentially, you know, be somebody he wants. And that's the thing. I, I think he's going to get one of the top three quarterbacks if he were to take that job. What do you don't, don't you think?
0: Oh, no. Again, yeah. Assuming he does, yeah, he'll absolutely go to the portal. It kind of sucks for Jackson Dart a little bit, but I also think that there was a little bit of disappointment there with Jackson Dart throughout the season. Maybe Lane didn't get the guy that he thought he did. Also it could just be they had a really good running game. They didn't need to use the quarterback a whole ton, but Dart basically can't move on from Old Miss unless they get him a waiver of some kind, and I doubt that's really gonna happen. They right. seem to be they seem to be cracking down a little bit on the guys who transfer twice here, but uh, the real question I think a lot of people on a lot of people's minds is, who does Lane Kiffin bring with him from Ole Miss to Auburn? I think the clear candidate there is freshman Fanon, running back uh, Quinshawn Judkins, who right Quinshawn Judkins behind a pretty decent Auburn O line, uh, especially for running the ball. We've seen Tank Bigs be, be productive behind them this year quite a bit. I think that he could have an absolutely monster career at Auburn. I, I think Quinn Jenkins is, is going to be a monster, whether he's at Ole Miss or Auburn. As long as he's with Lane Kiffin and they keep that offense going, I think he's going to be just, just fine. Very similar to how Devin Singletary did with Lane Kiffin over at FAU during that time. I'm still semi-skeptical that this actually happens. It's one yeah. of those things where it's such an open secret. It feels like there's something missing here. That and like Lane is a, Lane has not shot it down. It's an open secret that Auburn wants Lane Kiffin. So like, why hasn't anything been done yet? Why are these rumors being allowed to kind of persist out there?
1: They. I guess it wasn't, but a few weeks ago that the AD took over, right? I mean, it seems like if, if the AD is new to the job, it's probably not going to happen overnight. Um, And I don't know where their AD came, came from. I always am interested when there's a job opening where that AD came from, because Mm -hmm. lots of times they'll, they'll follow, you know, they'll have a a coach come with them, that type of situation. Um, But yeah, it's, it, there is definitely a lot of smoke there. I've heard, I listened to the Cover 3 podcast, and they said that Auburn has uh, just a treasure chest full of NIL money uh, built up. They have a treasure chest full of NIL money built up to yep. pay some guys. So it, that would make a lot of sense if the Portal King comes over that they've also got the checkbook ready to uh, get some of these guys that he wants.
0: And I think NIL deals will work a lot better with guys who are coming
1: out of the portal probably rather than guys who are coming out of high school. Who do you think they would go after if they can't get Kiffin? If he says no, who do you think is the next best option?
0: If they can't get Kiffin, um, I really think it's not as high of a name as probably some people want it to be.
1: That's what I was thinking too. Would any of the guys that have been super successful this year be in consideration like a Clark clark lee at at vanderbilt like uh mike elko over at duke um jim mora over at connecticut like would 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 they even consider these guys or do they feel like they have to win the uh the press conference uh and get a big name a splash
0: Auburn has been trying to chase the press conference right and like Brian Harrison was not a press conference move, but that's because they missed out on Mario Cristobal. They got played by Mario Cristobal. They thought they were going to get Mario Cristobal to come from Oregon to Auburn, and Cristobal used it to get a raise out of Oregon, and eventually he would leave to go to Miami. That kind of tells you how, how valuable coaches probably feel about the Auburn job compared to a place like Miami. So I really don't think this is as high on coaches' lists in terms of where they want to be as people want it to think. So, I feel like it, if if they whiff again on their top target, like they did with Mario Cristobal, I think they go after somebody smaller. I think they probably go after a G five head coach and try to kind of run it back a little bit. Um, my other thought was Matt Rule, but like I I've been pretty consistent that Matt Rule is going to go to a place like Nebraska.
1: Yeah, he's They're, been rumored there for sure.
0: They like he needs to go to a place that needs to rebuild a program because that's what Matt Rule has been really good at at Temple yeah. and at Baylor. He's good at building programs, not necessarily building the best teams per se, but he's good at getting people out of the dumps, which is what Nebraska needs. Auburn isn't quite there yet. I don't think that's what they really need. I think they need somebody who could unlock what they have.
1: What about Dave Aranda?
0: I think he's safe at Baylor. I again, I, I just don't. I. This Auburn job isn't as valuable as it used to be, which is again the, okay. the thing I can't really get past. So, like, I think if they miss on Lane Kiffin, they're gonna they're gonna take sloppy seconds, basically.
1: Okay, yeah, I think that's that's fair.
0: Um, again, we talked about on Juggins. Any other CFF impact you think could happen here, Nate?
1: Uh, I mean Hunter. Everybody's you know everybody's pretty excited for him being the next man up. Uh, after you know we we assume that Tank Bigsby's moving on, I think that's a f- safe assumption. But if if Kiffin comes over, your first thought is, well, great. I mean, Kiffin's been great for running backs, but Kiffin's going to hit that portal, and yep. if he goes and brings somebody like Judkins or you know name a player that's that's going to be in the portal that's really good, uh, Kiffin's going to take a shot at him, and uh, you know that may that may push Hunter into the portal himself. So. Um, yeah, it's, there's going to be a lot of moving parts. I like Hunter's game a lot, oh, yeah. um, but I, I I don't know how that'll work out with Kiffin.
0: I think everybody's waiting to see what works out with Kiffin. Let's move on to another one here. This is less out there in the ether and more of like what we kind of talk about in the backstage of Campus Secanton Canton and in our Slack and everything. But we are all kind of on board with the idea of Georgia Tech going after Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chadwell. Uh, Chadwell runs a very interesting, almost kind of gimmicky offense over at Coastal Carolina. It is definitely an interesting offense to prepare for for any team that is facing them on a week-in and week-out basis. He's been very successful over there at Coastal Carolina. He's a Southern coach. I think it makes a lot of sense for Georgia Tech to, to go after him and is a pretty realistic option. For them they're not going after another power five schools head coach they're going after a successful g5 coach um say what you will about jeff collins he i think was a good coach to transition georgia tech away from the triple option offense get some guys in there that can run a modern offense over there and you get a guy like jamie chadwell who's used to kind of coming in taking guys who are a little bit hybrid and finding ways to utilize them I think he could work out really, really well for Georgia Tech. And that's me as a Georgia fan saying it. I don't want Georgia Tech ever to be successful, <laughs> but I think that yeah. this guy could make Georgia Tech pretty successful. What do you think,
1: Nate? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a flagrant offense if Georgia Tech does not take a serious look at Jamie Chadwell. I mean, what a, what a perfect fit. The modernized version of the triple option essentially is what he yep. runs. Um, yeah, I'm all board all on board for it. They need to they need to bring in Jamie Chadwell. They uh, you know there's there's talk that Grayson McCall was going to enter the portal last year. Uh, maybe he does that again and now Chadwell can say, hey, I know you want to go P5. come with me, P5. Let's do this thing at the next step up and you can show the NFL Scouts uh, your ability. Um, who's to say they can't bring Brown? Or Braden Bennett yeah. with them, um and just kind of revamp. You know, do the do the whole situation like Western Kentucky had last year, where they don't just bring the quarterback; they bring some more pieces. So, so that's a go ahead.
0: I was gonna say. So I fully see him bringing guys like Braden Bennett, like Reese White, if he has any eligibility left. I don't know. I, I assume he, everybody he, has at least
1: one year left. Reese White uh, does have one year left. You are correct.
0: Um, or they and they bring over some of the other guys and everything. I don't know Grayson McCall comes with him. I think it's far more likely that Grayson McCall either goes to the draft or just retires after this year. It sounds like that he really i it, again last year when those rumors abounded that he was transferring everything he shot he didn't just like let them die out and oh, it looks like he's gonna stay. no he like came out and just straight shot them down and said like that it was- it was ridiculous that people were saying that he was going to leave. Coastal Carolina. Now, I do think it is a bit different of a scenario if he's following his coach, but he does sound like he is a guy that, as Andrew Katz so eloquently said, pisses teal and loves <laughs> loves Coastal Carolina over there. So like if if he's kinda done after this year, I could see him just kind of moving on, especially if Jamie Chadwell moves on as well. Yeah. How but, funny is
1: it how funny is it looking back now that the strongest rumor of where he was going to land was North Carolina.
0: Oh yeah, and, I know, right. And now, and now now, now, Drake now knowing May what is North probably Carolina one of the best quarterbacks yeah. in the country.
1: Yeah, um I don't know. I I don't know enough about the situation. I just know my god that would be a perfect fit to bring uh to to bring Chadwell and his quarterback with him. And there there are some strong rumors I've heard that Brown at um at coastal is going to go to the next level he's gonna he's gonna pull jared brown Uh, uh uh-huh yeah so um so why not why not take the band and uh down to atlanta and and see you know see what it looks like there yeah and it's not like georgia
0: tech doesn't have pieces for them to play with as well um uh again they they've had both uh zach gibson's been all right but uh zach pyron The true freshman quarterback there, he looked really good down the stretch. Virginia Tech kind of provided a spark for them. I could see Chadwell working with him pretty well. Nate McCullum, the wide receiver we talked about last week, he didn't play this past week, unfortunately, but I think he could be a guy that could really benefit from a uh, a, an offensive mind like Chadwell coming in. One guy we
1: go ahead. I was going to say one guy we know that won't be there is a guy we'll talk about in the future, and that's uh, here in the next few minutes, and that's Jeff Sims.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, no way he sticks around. Um, so let's move on to our surprise coaches here, Nate. So like, it's going to be a little bit of a surprise. You said you had somebody for Arizona State, so I on the graphic I just have a blank silhouette <laughs> for everybody. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a graphic to reveal him because that would ruin the surprise for me, who makes the graphics. So Nate, who is your coaching candidate for Arizona State that you would love to see?
1: Yeah, we're, we're probably hyping this up too much um, because he's he's I, I do think he's got strong ties to the to the job. And I, I think that Arizona State makes a run at Kenny Dillingham, the offensive. coordinator. Oh, I like the call. Uh, I think they make he's he's an Arizona State grad. Uh, he's currently obviously the offensive coordinator for Oregon. Um, if he goes there, I think he now because of what he's done with Bo Nix, I think he now has a reputation as a. QB rehab guy you know I mean come here if you want I mean look 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 what he's done for Bo Nix it's been incredible and he can sell that and when he goes to a new program and that's a program that I think uh could attract a really good quarterback and um what so uh, just this is a this is not one we're going to talk about here in a minute for QB uh transfer conspiracies, but I will throw it out there to you just to have a little bit of fun with this as we're talking about Arizona State. So let's say Dillingham goes there, he's the QB rehab guru, mm-hmm. he's on the west coast. Uh, there's a QB over in uh, South Carolina that needs a little bit of rehabbing. Could get that closer is from, to home, per that se. Is from the West Coast that would like to have his draft stock boosted, like maybe a, uh, you know, like what's going on with Bo Nix. So I'm just a little, up, just I'm a little up something to think here. about whenever you're uh, maybe interested in reading my transfer article. But yeah, what yeah. are your thoughts on Kenny Dillingham? I saw that he was somebody that some people were considering i'm
0: like i don't know if he's necessarily head coach material again we've seen mm-hmm. a lot of coordinators in the past go from being coordinator to head coach it's a totally different job like a lot of them think that they they can just become the head coach and be like oh it's just offensive right. coordinator with more with a, a few more responsibilities it's like well no it's 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 an almost like it's an entirely different ceo job and they can't handle that very well i don't right. know enough about dillingham to do that per se i Definitely would not mind seeing the Dillingham offense come to Arizona State. I would love to see that program kind of rehab itself under yep. a different guy a guy that like you said he's from Arizona State. He clearly doesn't want to bring that program any kind of shame like Herm Edwards did. I think he wants to be able to rehab <laughs> the program from that and
1: so I is there, I, is there I like anybody the else you can think of that would that would fit that job maybe?
0: Uh, anybody else I can think of off the top of my head? Again. I mean,
1: Dion's been somebody rumored there a yeah, lot. I I don't know that that's necessarily gonna happen. Dion um, Dion is more likely for the Auburn job than
0: I uh, uh, Dion's gonna if he's gonna leave Jackson State, he's gonna go for a big job. Like he, he's yeah. gonna be hired by a, a group of boosters that just want it again, going back to the Auburn job, if, the, if Auburn wants to win the press conference, they hire Dion Sanders. I know uh
1: Bronco Hall has been rumored to Colorado. It could also be kind of fun if Arizona State said, well this is a better program. Come come here instead of Colorado.
0: I was thinking that as well. And again, I talked about Matt Rule in Nebraska and everything. I think this is another job that Matt Rule yeah. should absolutely consider. Again, it's yep. a program that's in shambles. It's lost its it's lost its luster. Bring him in, rebuild the culture, rebuild the program. I think I he would be a good hire for them.
1: I don't know if this is hot take or not, but I think in five to seven years that Arizona State is a better program than Nebraska.
0: I think 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 it's a
1: better job. I think it's a better job than Nebraska in five to seven years. I think you'll look back and say, can you imagine those two jobs were open at the same time and Nebraska was the top choice? I I don't think that's going to be what people are saying in five to seven years.
0: It is going to be one of those where I think it heavily, heavily depends on how well they choose their coaches here. Yeah. Because Arizona can make a terrible hire and then they just get stuck in the rudder for years. Yeah. So let's go to my surprise here. So I got my guy for West Virginia. You actually have another guy that you, you wanted to say for West Virginia, but jokes on so fu- I, This is
1: gonna be so funny if we pick the same guy.
0: Dude, it would be hilarious. Um I am going to propose for West Virginia again, Neil Brown hasn't been officially fired yet, but I think we all know that he's probably out the door. They got a new
1: AD. They got a new AD last week. They're okay, they're yeah. they're moving on.
0: They're moving on. I am going to say, Mr. Garrett Riley, offensive coordinator for TCU, going mm-hmm. over to West Virginia. Okay. You got a pass heavy attack already there with Graham Harrell. Again, I'm not saying that Garrett Riley runs an air raid system, but he's definitely not afraid afraid to throw the ball. Not afraid to be aggressive. Got a lot of talent in that wide receiver room. They got two different guys at quarterback that I think they could have a ton of fun playing around with, similar to how they did with TCU this year. Garrett Green, kind of more in the Max Duggan role where he's a bit more mobile. Coach him up a little bit, make him a little bit better in the passing game. He could be really good for you. Or you could go with the younger guy in Nico Marchiol who's got a ton of arm talent. Not as mobile per se, but if they, if, if they want to be a little bit more... Uh, drop back, pass the ball deep consistently, I think they could roll with him as well. I think if Garrett Riley wanted to have a shot at a Power 5 job, this is where I would go. He's got ties to Texas. He's got ties to Big 12
1: recruiting circles. I think this would be a great place for him to land. I... I kind of like I you definitely did not guess my guy. Um but I kind of like what you're talking about here because I always look at who has ties to the region, mm-hmm. who, you know, I who agree. could be a, who could fit, who could not be a uh, you know, like Auburn's last hire where they have no fit whatsoever. Yep. But uh, he coached at Appalachian State as an assistant. He coached at East Carolina as an assistant. Yep. So he's got connections in that region, and obviously he's got connections in the Big Twelve. So I kind of like it. Uh, that's a big. That's a big step up for him. But you know, hey, I'm here. I'm sitting here proposing. Kenny hey, you Gillings gotta strike while
0: the iron's hot. He's currently the offensive yeah. coordinator for an undefeated team that nobody like. What, what was TCU's? season over under
1: before the year started like what oh, like I don't, five and a half yeah yes yeah, somewhere in that five to six range you know something like that so. uh but yeah if i can if i can uh, propose dillingham to arizona state this is kind of a very similar move um you know uh so i kind of like that my so i had two guys in mind um i, I think that the obvious one is hugh freeze Uh, just because he's he's kind of over there and if you want to make a splash you know he's he's obviously done very well uh in you know in that region my but mine the one i want to see and that i think could actually happen and i think i've heard some donors saying hey if you want my money this is who you better hire and that is rich rodriguez okay former former west virginia standout coach who took them to heights that West Virginia has never been to before and has not been to since hmm. so um, I think that's uh, that would be a really intriguing hire I I,
0: I like it uh, again we've seen teams before kind of realize they've made a mistake in terms like Rutgers bringing back Reg uh and saying like hey like even even if we were sucking before, you had us in a really good place, like culture wise. Yeah. Our teammate, mm-hmm. our, uh, the kid, the players loved you, and everything like that. We'll bring you back. Let's get this party rolling again. I wouldn't be surprised if West Virginia kind of comes down a similar track and says like Hey, when you were here, we were successful. Uh, we, we miss you. Please come back." Yeah,
1: uh, yeah.
0: I like it. I, I, I like I like both those calls. I think either one would be a a, a step up for West Virginia over Neil Brown. Yeah all right next segment here nate uh we're gonna go talk about some transfer qb conspiracy theory nonsense to go along with everything it's this is gonna be fun but not as fun as the full article that you'll be putting out about this this week tell the folks listening what they can expect from this article from you this week nate
1: So, yeah, well, so we'll give a little bit of a teaser uh, on our show here today, but as as far as the article itself, so I've basically got, uh, I haven't actually completed it yet, but it's, it's almost there, but it's probably going to be somewhere around 15 different quarterbacks and um, they're going to be in three different tiers as far as most likely to actually hit the portal, potentially could hit the portal, like could go either way. Or, you know, total conspiracy galaxy brain. Hey, let's get crazy. Um, what if this guy hit the portal? So we'll give you a little taste of 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 each one. So that's, that's basically what it's going to look like. And, you know, most of it, we're having to make a lot of assumptions because none of these guys are actually in the portal today. But I'm trying to put some actual research base behind it, like looking at their recruiting profile, uh, taking into account the region, taking into account previous assistant coaches that they had or uh, assistant coaches that recruited them very hard and and previous visits that they took and those types of things, trying to connect the dots as best I can.
0: Yeah, this is not your typical fluff article you get out of like a major website. that's just like, oh, uh, what if... uh, what if DJ Uyunglele went and transferred to Alabama? It's like, well, no, that's not what's happening here. Yeah. Like Nate has put in a ton of work on this article, and again, I wanted to make sure that we gave you a little teaser here, and make sure to tell you guys to go read that article when it comes out this Tuesday. It's going to be phenomenal. Like Nate said, we're going to go through three quarterbacks here. This is mostly Nate. This is mostly your segment. I'm gonna, just going to introduce the, the player, and then you tell me where you think they're going to land, and like what what led to that decision. So first, our very likely quarterback to answer the transfer portal today is Jeff Sims, quarterback out of Georgia Tech. Obviously, pretty much lost the job out to both Zach Gibson and freshman Zach Pyron. Nate, what's going on here? What are you thinking?
1: So I'm going to give you guys three in my, like my top three, and then a wild card basically is what we're, what we're looking at. So Jeff Sims and and for each one of these players, I give a CFF upside rating. Like if they landed in the perfect scenario, zero to 10, how, how strong of a, of a CFF player this could be. And then my transfer likelihood zero to 10, how likely is this guy to transfer? Um, Jeff Sims is the only guy on this list. That's a 10 out of 10, as far as likely to transfer. He's already out the door. The the staff has essentially acknowledged it there uh, in in Atlanta. So um, CFF player upside, I think he's seven out of ten. Um, I, I I think he has all the tools to be a really nice player, and a lot of people haven't seen that. But I don't think he has been given uh, the right system or consistency to to really grow as a uh, as a quarterback. But as far as my top three, I think the number one landing spot. Is Louisville okay? And uh, I think he could come in and do everything that we've seen from Lake Cunningham. Satterfield has shown that he can take this type of player and make them a really relevant player. Um, what are your initial thoughts on that landing spot?
0: My initial thoughts are like obviously, there's a lot of comps in Lake Cunningham in terms yeah. of their dual threat ability. And then there's kind of a cluster bunch of QBs behind Malik Cunningham that I don't think anybody truly trusts to be that main next guy. Again, they performed Mm -hmm. well in Cunningham's absence, but they haven't really unlocked the offense like you've seen Cunningham do. I'm not sure that Jeff Sims is that dude. I think he can be, though, and I think he has definitely a lot of the... Anybody who can start at a Power 5 program as a true freshman clearly has some level of upside... Yeah. So I like the call. What are your other what are your other schools that you think he could land at?
1: Yeah. And on the article, I uh, you'll see an asterisk by each uh, program that actually uh, offered this player coming out of high school. And Mm, Louisville is one of those. The next one also offered him and that is Louisiana State LSU um they have shown to be a little bit of a reclamation project um mike denbrock offered him when he was at cincinnati at the time uh lsu also offered him even though it was a totally different staff this is about as as high as jaden daniel's stock can get i think he there's a strong chance that he tests the nfl waters and moves on and I think that there's some definitely some comps that we could see Jeff Sims uh, kind of fill into that spot. The other one I'll throw out there is Maryland. Maryland was in his top three whenever yeah. he was coming out of high school. Um, they still have the same staff that was offering him at that time, and I think that he could um, f- he could slide over there should. Um, Tagava uh move on as well too. Maryland's kind of one of those ones. I'm not sure if they're gonna be looking for a quarterback because it all depends on what Talia is going to be doing. And yeah. I and I just I'm not totally sure what he decides at this point. But I think if he moves on, then Maryland becomes I think Loxley really plows ahead in the uh, transfer portal.
0: So who who's your wild card then over
1: after wild, all three? Wild card is Arkansas. And that is Kendall Bryles was the one that got him to come to Florida State. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember, he was the OC back when Jeff Sims started there. Uh, and and sorry, he didn't go to Florida. He was committed to Florida State. And then when Kendall Biles left for Arkansas was when Jeff Sims flipped from Florida State to Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. So now I think that um, if KJ Jefferson were to move on, uh, I think there's a good chance that they uh, take a look at somebody in the portal.
0: So the thing that strikes me, first of all, is that all of these were power five schools. I'm surprised you didn't yeah. throw him out there as a guy who could go down to a G5 level. I know the guys in the Slack are going to be heartbroken to hear that you did not say Jeff Simpson <laughs> Bowling Green, because that would be yeah. a ton of fun right there.
1: Yeah. This- um, my rebuttal to that is, but part of this article is, what is the? It's not where I want him to go. I want him to go to Akron. I want him to go to Bowling Green. I want him to go to one of those types of places. But where is he realistically? Um, going where is he up? realistically going to go? And the and the reality is, is that he was a very high four star recruit that is a three year starter at a power five program and had moments where he was really good and he yes, had true. moments where he was really bad. But I'm I'm guessing in his mind, he thinks he is a P5 starter.
0: Yeah, and I, would, I wouldn't I doubt that. I would be skeptical of LSU because I think their bench is pretty deep. Uh, I mean, they still got Walker Howard on the bench there. Garrett Nussmeyer is still there. Are those I, Mike Denbrock types of quarterbacks in probably your Probably not. So I would imagine that if those guys start entering the portal, then LSU is absolutely going to go after somebody. And Jeff Sims definitely does feel like one of those guys that could fit it. Because if the, they could take if they could rehab Jaden Daniels, I think they could rehab Jeff Sims.
1: The uh the quarterback, I can't remember his name off the top of my mind. I think it's Collins is his last name. But the quarterback that they're getting, they flipped from Purdue to LSU is in this same mold. A yeah. um a a true dual threat. So it just seems weird. They they kinda of, they just seem like they want a dual threat really bad. Quick
0: breaking news. Uh unfortunately, quarterback out of Tennessee, Hendon Hooker has suffered a torn ACL.
1: Yeah. he'll be
0: he'll be out for a while
1: as soon as it happened you know non-contact it was like yep that's uh that's not good for him probably an acl so again
0: um again lsu i think is a little less likely but i understand the thought process behind it and then uh was your third one was maryland maryland um yeah yeah, i agree with you it definitely depends on whether or not maryland has an opening at the qb position or not i'd really like to call for him to go to uh, louisville yeah Next up, let's go to your kind of medium likelihood quarterback that could enter the transfer portal, and you got Mr. DJ Uyangalele, quarterback out of Clemson. The fact that he is still starting is that enough to kind of make you pause a little bit, Nate? Uh, that he is a even moderately likely guy to enter the transfer portal?
1: Yeah, that's why he is. He's in my moderate category. His transfer likelihood, I put a five out of ten, basically the average because I don't know what he's going to do. I, I I don't, I don't know. I think that there's still a chance in his mind. He thinks he might be able to go pro. Um, I think there's a chance he could stay at Clemson. I, I have no idea. I think as I wrote in my article, it it's everything in that offense looks like a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a good system. I think a, a divorce would actually help both him and Clemson. If, if they, like, I think that could, that could actually help out both parties. Could be. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think he needs to go to a QB rehab, uh, somebody like, you know, a guru, like a Dan Mullen, if he were to land somewhere like a Kalen DeBoer at at Washington, Garrett Riley uh, at TCU, Jason Beck, at Syracuse, like Dana Bible, UCLA. These are these are guys that have shown the ability to take broken QBs, which is what DJU looks like at this time and fix them. So, um, my likelihood transfer spot so we know dj is a uh a south uh, southern cal uh guy so we, yes, he's, a, he's a west coast guy so a lot of mine tend to drift in that direction um all three of my top three offered him my top three being ucla i was, uh, I was wondering if ucla is going to be on there Yep, yeah, UCLA is my number one. I think he's, you know, um, they they pushed hard for him coming out of high school. Um, Arizona State, as I alluded to with Kenny Dillingham, if he were to take that job, he could be that QB whisperer for him. Um, and the other one, because they have a lot of money and might want to make a splash, and it also relates to Kenny Dillingham, if he doesn't take the job as Oregon, if Bo Nix were to move on, which I I am of the opinion that he will so those are those are my top three um your thoughts the one i like ucla arizona state oregon the one i like the
0: most is the one you have the most likely spot of him landing and that is ucla they need somebody to take over after uh after dtr probably finishes this year i don't imagine he comes back i think i can't remember if he's out of out again he's out he's out okay dtr is out so they're gonna need somebody ethan garbers he seems like he's, he's been a fine backup quarterback. He never really struck me as like, oh, this is clearly the next guy. They took Dylan Gabriel out of the portal last year when he was in the transfer portal. Right. Clearly, they were looking for somebody to step up after DTR. Because I don't think, even if Dylan Gabriel came over to US- UCLA, I don't think he was ever going to be the guy over DTR. There yeah. might have been a legit competition. Who knows? But they clearly want are looking for somebody else for that quarterback group. DJ feels like the perfect replacement for DTR with his dual threat ability. In fact, he's a bigger guy than DTR, so they want to be physical with the running back in the or the quarterback in the running game. uh, DJ really feels like that dude who could fill in that role. I like that spot a lot. Arizona State, I think it would be fun. It wouldn't be the kind of landing spot that I would then be running to grab him in CFF leagues. Right. Uh, UCLA would excite me a whole lot more. And then Oregon, if Henny Dillingham's still there after what he did with Bo Nix, it would be enough that I would probably draft him in the mid to late rounds. And I would say like, you know, I feel like he's a great upside play given what we got from Bo Nix.
1: Yeah, that, and that offensive line at Oregon is good enough to support him and give him yep. some time to, to, to actually process. Exactly. The, other, the other reason why I put Oregon on here, like I said, I try to research as much as possible. Oregon is a strong contender for his brother, who is a five star in the 2023 class, Mateo. That's um, right. uh, they're a strong contender for him. Who's to say he doesn't want to spend maybe one season playing alongside his brother? My only wild cards here, um, and because I think NIL is going to play a role in his portal recruitment,
0: oh, 100% will,
1: uh, because he's going to want to get paid now if he doesn't get that big NFL paycheck that he thought he might be getting two years ago. I think Miami could be in the mix. And Miami was a strong contender for him coming out of high school. That's a terrible fit. but uh, I, I would
0: say that, that would be <laughs> the one where I'm like, all right, I'm staying away on that one. Right.
1: Like I said, some of these, I, I, I don't want to see them go there and they aren't a fit, but I think that there's a potential. L- listen, Chris Kay and I have talked about it. If we could start a uh, consulting firm to help these guys find the right spots, We would because some of them make some of the worst portal decisions and Miami would not be a good one, but Miami's got money and maybe they want to make a splash um, if Van Dyke moves on. Um, And similar to that is Louisville. Louisville's got a lot of NIL money and they could potentially make a splash here. Not that it's a great fit either, but maybe better fit than Miami. Yeah, definitely all right let's move on to your last one
0: this is the galaxy brain long shot quarterback transfer not probably gonna likely but it's fun to think about what would happen with this you got one of our favorite guys from the preseason colin Schley, just gotten so banged up this year couldn't really live up to his potential but he's at kent state right now if he were to enter the transfer portal today nate very unlikely i think he stays at kent state
1: but if he were to where would he go yeah, so in my transfer likelihood, he's a one out of ten. So this is this is me just spitballing, coming up with something crazy here. the The location, the the landing spots that I have for him, though, I, I do think make some sense. Number one is Washington. Okay, Kalen DeBoer has Michael Penix most likely moving on. Okay, he's in need of a quarterback. I don't think he trusts what he's got behind Penix, so he could go to the portal. He got to take a First hand close up look at Colin Schley because they played Kent State this year. So he studied the film, he saw him play in person. Colin Schley is one of those guys. The numbers don't support how good he is. He is a very talented quarterback, a quarterback that if he made this move is because he wants to showcase his skill set to play on Sundays. So I think Washington could be in the mix. The other one is Cincinnati. Um, I think their offense has been really hindered by poor quarterback play this year. I don't care about Ben Bryant. I don't, don't, don't even try to talk me into that. He's a good quarterback. He's not. Um, and Colin Schley's just down the road there at, uh, at Kent state. So I think that there could be a fit there. The other one, again, we come I feel back like to that's it. also assuming that Evan Prater transfers out. Um, Evan Prater Spoiler alert is also in this article. So, okay. uh, yes, that is making the assumption that Evan Prater either transfers out or they just really don't like Evan Prater. And I think both of those might be true. Um, so Washington, Cincinnati, and then the third landing spot is, again, Maryland. Maryland right. was one that uh, actually took a look at him coming out of high school um and uh so and he's from i think he's from that area uh there in maryland so i, I think that uh that is uh a, and and the only reason why i put that on there again if tega viola moves on
0: so i would say that if i were to watch colin Schley leave for any of those programs i would not value him nearly as high in cff as i do at kent state
1: It's a big step up. Washington. What about Washington?
0: That's that's assuming he wins the job. Uh, Again, Penix probably gone and everything like that. But Mm -hmm. again, he may not be the only quarterback they bring in. And again, it is a big step. He's going from the MAC to a Power Five conference. Part of the reason why Schley is so successful as he is right now is because he is a big fish in a small pond, talent wise, in that conference i don't know that he can make that jump it's kind of similar to cameron ward coming from fcs to the power five this year um it didn't work out as well for him in terms of being a cff asset because yep. there's has been a learning curve he's gotten better down the stretch don't get me wrong but it's hard to get a guy like bailey Zappi coming from houston christian going up to western kentucky that was a perfect storm because western kentucky is in the middle of the cusa they're awful yep. Even like, yes, again, yes, we want to. We I,
1: want to see him stay in Mackson. We don't want we, quarterbacks leaving Mackson. We want them going to Mackson. Yeah.
0: Um. Sorry, I, I. That was a long tangent. Um. But out of those three, I would say Washington would be the most interesting to me. Cincinnati would also be relatively interesting, but again, like with the, the decisions the staff has made so far this year in terms of the quarterback decisions, in terms of how they're using them, I wouldn't want to subject Schley Sch- Sch- Sch to that.
1: I I think Cincinnati is um I think they've got all the makings to be a really really good offense. Those wide receivers are good, they've got a good running back room. They just need a quarterback. They need a quarterback.
0: Need a quarterback and they need somebody yeah. who can evaluate that position a little bit better it seems like. Yeah. Unless Evan Prater really is just truly awful, which we haven't gotten the chance to see. That's the more frustrating part about the whole thing.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Let's go ahead and move on to our waiver wires real quick. Again, we're going a little long, so we'll get through these relatively quickly. Am I dumb? What's going on here?
1: A lot of these guys, a lot of these guys we've talked about, you know, and, and, and we're talking about guys that have one week left. So, um, you know, I mean, we, we don't have to go into crazy amount of detail as far as what their season out, outlooks looking like. I mean, we just need them to be good for one week. No, I,
0: I yeah. One Yeah, 100%. These these guys are all about their matchups. This week, like, if there is some dynasty value here, we'll talk about it. But more than likely, if you're a dynasty league, some of these guys are probably already on rosters for yeah. the most part. So we'll definitely get all into that. First things first. We got Joe Milton, quarterback out of Tennessee, rostered on 3% of rosters, going up against Vanderbilt this week. We just talked about it. Hen and Hooker out with an ACL injury for the rest of the year joe milton is up and uh, oh boy the upside here oh boy the upside <laughs> here joe Milton's not a good quarterback he is somebody who is not afraid not afraid to chuck it deep anytime that he gets into the game and he will have long passes every game that he has come in for he has had over 100 yards passing even though he has had um in some cases, only three passes in the game. At most, he has had eight passes in a single game. He is a big chunk play kind of quarterback. He has scored a touchdown every single time that he has gotten extended looks in the second half. And like I say, he's not afraid to check a Every game he's played, longest pass, 57 yards, longest pass, 64 yards, longest pass, 58 yards, longest pass, 64 yards. And these are not The passes of, oh, let me throw a slant to my wide receiver and let him take it to the house. No, he is just chucking it down deep. And especially Squirrel White, who is probably the one wide receiver on the team that he cannot physically overthrow. (laughs) He has been absolutely stellar in the mop-up time for Tennessee. Now, I would be concerned rest of season if he had more games to play down the stretch. The good news is he's going up against Vanderbilt this week. Vanderbilt, resurgent team, very proud of them. Uh, Commodores, you wore my heart. Your defense isn't good enough to stop this Tennessee offense if they can get it going with Joe Milton this week and I think Joe Milton with his big play ability with his arm can absolutely be somebody that could be a quick pickup start him in your uh start him in your championship week especially if you lost Hendon Hooker last week.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a good opportunity for him to showcase uh, his abilities to try to win that job next year. He gets the you know, he's basically getting first shot at the job for Tennessee with and Hooker moving on. So um, if you if you read my, uh, you know, Dynasty Sleeper article um, and, and you picked up Joe Milton because of that, you're you're in luck because you now get a championship week starter against Vanderbilt. So um It's a it's a fun offense. It's fast and fun, and uh, now you got Joe Milton driving this fast and fun uh, bus here. So we'll we'll see what happens, but uh, it could be a total disaster. It could be, but it could also be fast and fun. So
0: let's go to the other side of this, and we'll go. That'll be where our next quarterback is, and that is Mr. Mike Wright, quarterback out of Vanderbilt. I'm breaking my rules a little bit here, y'all. You have to forgive me, but uh, he is rostered on 44% of rosters here. I just think it is too important. He is too important to not at least bring up here. There's enough leagues out there where he is still available on the wi- on the waiver wire that if you are struggling at quarterback, you don't have your set quarterbacks for your league. He is a guy you can pick up and start pretty much with confidence this week. The Tennessee defense last week made Spencer... Ha- Spencer Rattler looked like the Heisman quarterback that we thought he could be. He looked like the first round quarterback that we thought he could be. They, the Tennessee defense made Anthony Richardson look like a God the week that they played. This is this Tennessee uh, secondary made everyone think that Setson Bennett was going to win the Heisman again for a week. Like they're just bad. And you have a guy like Mike Wright, who is basically almost the entirety of that Vanderbilt offense in many ways. Again, Ray Davis also being very, very good. He has plenty of receivers to throw to. McGowan, you got Shepard, you got Skinner. Different guys that he can play around with his tight end. Uh, Ben Brennishan, I think his last name is. I can't remember.
1: Bresnahan.
0: Bresnahan. Again, and that doesn't even touch on the fact that he has big playability with his legs. He is a guy that can provide you a safe rushing floor if the defense gives him plenty, and I do believe Tennessee's defense has struggled with dual threat quarterbacks many, many times this year. I like him a lot this week. What do you think, Nate?
1: Yeah, I mean, both of these guys, there's definitely some inherited risk that you're taking if you were to start them in your championship week. But at the same time, we know this is this the there's really good potential for this to be a shootout. And you want quarterbacks that are going to be involved in that, especially ones that are dual threat and um, are, you know, kind of the focus of of the offense. And that's what you're getting with Mike Wright. I've said it a number of times. I think he's one of the top three fastest quarterbacks in the entire country. He's in fact, he is he is uh, endorsing uh, the recruiting analytics um, mile per hour uh, Twitter account. Nice. Or, or website or whatever, because he's the fastest in their mind. He's the fastest quarterback in the country. He's been it's clocked at like 22 miles an hour. He's insane.
0: Um,
1: so yeah, I think this is, uh, um, I, you know, you'll get some boomer boomer bus potential here, but if you're, if you feel like you're going to be chasing points in your championship league, um, I think that he's one that you'd like to maybe throw out there because of his ceiling, you know?
0: Yeah. Again, like, like I said, at the top of this segment, if you're in the championship game, you more than likely have your guys that you are like pretty set on. And it's like, they, these are the two that have gotten me here. Or these are, this is the quarterback that's gotten me here so far. I'm not right. going to move away from it. That's fine and dandy. But again, if you had a ser- scenario like last week, Hendon Hooker goes down. uh, you Suddenly, your starting quarterback is a really bad matchup this week. This is a guy that you can go out and grab and pick up real quick. Third right. quarterback we'll talk about here. More of a dynasty play, but also could be really, really good this week. Garrett Green, the quarterback out of West Virginia, rostered on 1% of leagues. JT Daniels, unfortunately, finally benched. And pretty much since then, it's been the Garrett Green show for this Western Virginia offense against Oklahoma. Scored 33.42 fantasy points in half PPR formats. Uh, threw for 138 yards and a touchdown, but also ran for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. And then... You might think, oh, he's just a dual threat guy. He can't really do much to the air. Well, this week against Can- last week against Kansas State, uh o- threw 27 times, 204 yards, and three touchdowns as well as got another touchdown on the ground. And you say, okay, that's fine and Danny. He went up against Oklahoma and Kansas State. What's he going up against this week? Well, only the battered and ruined remains of what was the Oklahoma <laughs> State defense. <laughs> Uh Oklahoma State has is is a program that has been on the downward trend of health pretty much since the start of the season and I see no reason why West Virginia can't victimize them again this week especially with a more consistent passer in Garrett Green here. What do you think Nate?
1: Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a pretty solid play. Um I don't think Garrett Green's a particularly good quarterback. Um no. but uh we know that the West Virginia defense is definitely not good and they're going to be playing a lot of catch up and um, you know Graham Harrell is no stranger to uh, you know just slinging it around the yard so yep. I, I think that that's the, the the situation I think it would actually help it would help if uh, if West help Garrett Green's potential if Spencer Sanders is healthy enough to go out there and play again and this ends up being a high scoring affair so yep, um, I yeah I think I think that's uh, not a bad call there
0: Last quarterback I'll mention here, just a quick honorable mention. Tucker Gleason, quarterback out of Toledo. Rostered on only 1% of rosters right now, including mine last week in the Kings Classic. Uh, Daquan Finn is possibly still out this week. Keep an eye out for that injury information. If you have Daquan Finn and plan on playing him this week, Tucker Gleason has to be on your roster, ready to be plugged in at a moment's notice. I don't think Gleason is that much of a step back from Finn. He's got dual threat ability. He seems to understand the offense pretty well against, against Bowling Green last week. He almost was able to lead a comeback. It's a guy that the offense seems to trust pretty well. I would like him decently in a matchup this week if he plays. Let's go to the running backs here. And it seems like we can't get out of the state of Tennessee. And I can't get these graphics to show up for some reason. <laughs> there we go. There he is. All right. But we can't get out of the state of Tennessee. So first we're going to talk about the running back from Middle Tennessee State, and that is Frank Peasant. Rostered on 18% of rosters this week. Dude has been on an absolute tear the last couple of weeks. 20 carries, 24 carries, 17 carries, and 13 carries in the last four games. However, he has been again, he's he's pretty much hit double digit fantasy points in every single one of these games. His receptions have gone through the roof. Uh, Again, seeing anywhere from uh, two to four receptions uh, in the past four out of the five last weeks. Last week, he had 11 targets for eight receptions and over 100 yards and two touchdowns. If they continue to utilize that role as a receiving back, they might have unlocked something there. Even if they don't, the matchup's great here. He's going up against FIU, one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. I think you don't really need more than like 15 to 20 carries for him to have a massive fantasy day. Middle Tennessee state Cunningham has been banged up. They're not able to pass the ball as efficiently as they used to. So there's a lot more opportunities for peasant to get those opportunities around the goal line to punch in long drives. Nate, what do you think about peasant?
1: Yeah, I love this call. He's somebody that I picked up uh, in, in a deep league. Uh, just based off of the the matchups for the end of the season and playoff run, I mean Louisiana Tech, Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, and now FIU. I mean, I, I don't think you could draw up a better finish uh, for yeah. a running back in in this season. FIU's averaging 194 rush yards given up each uh, each week, which is just an insane amount. Um, Peasant isn't. Efficient by any means. No. uh This is not a guy that's going to get you, you know, eight yards uh, a run, but he doesn't have to be because FIU sucks on defense. Yeah. And he's, I, I think, 100 yards and one to two touchdowns is well within the range of outcomes here.
0: Yeah. Okay. This is a guy with a high floor, high ceiling as well. I'm heavily considering picking him up in the leagues that I have a championship in this week if he is available because. If you are like me and you got Blake Corum and you're worried about that all week, yeah. this feels like the perfect guy that you can grab and plug him into your lineup and probably get a similar amount of points. Next guy up here, we got Cavorian Barnes, the running back out of UTSA. I'm a little hesitant on this one, but I shouldn't be. This dude is explosive as all living hell for UTSA. Much more explosive than Brendan Brady. He's young. He has a dude that I think is going to be a massive CFF asset next year when UTSA loses guys like Frank Harris, loses guys like DeCorey Clark, and some of those other receivers. But what about this year? What's going on with him this year? Well, again, UTSA, they're going up against UTEP this week. A great final matchup for UTSA to go up against during championship week. And Kavorian Barnes, I fully expect to be explosive once again. His volume does concern me just a little bit. Uh, in the last three out of the last five games, he has seen 11 or less carries. So that's definitely a little bit concerning. He doesn't have the receiving ability to really uh, make you not worry about that. But it, like I said, he's explosive. He's seen runs of 40-plus in the last two games.
1: Nate, what do you think about Kavorian Bards? I'm a, I'm a big fan of this guy. Um, I... He had a little bit of a down game against Rice, but I mean, he had been putting together some really nice games. That Rice game just kind of got out of hand, and they were passing the ball all over the place on him. Um, you you can attack the UTEP defense on the ground better yep. than you can through the air, and so I think that favors him. Yeah, he's going to split with Brennan Brady, um, but he is uh, the the better running back of the two. It's not really that close, um, and I think that we see him rip off another long run potentially in this game like he did uh, against Louisiana tech and UAB the weeks before. And uh, you know, I, I think he's definitely more risky than peasant, but I think that he's still a strong, a strong play for this week.
0: Yeah, definitely a strong play. If you're chasing points, here you go right here. Again, while peasant was high floor, high ceiling, I think this is definitely a low floor, but a very high ceiling with Barnes. Yeah, I think that's fair. Last running back we'll throw out here. I'm going to throw out Mr. Marquise Crosby, the true freshman running back over there at Louisiana Tech. Roster on 9% of rosters. This dude is another guy who's just been on an absolute, absolute tear the last couple of weeks. His volume is great. He has seen 20-plus carries in three out of the last five games. And against bad rushing defenses, he is taking, care, he's taking advantage of those opportunities. He has seen 100-plus rushing... Y- 100 plus rushing yards in three out of his last five games. The game against UTSA was not great, obviously. 17 carries, 47 yards. You don't want to see that. The good news is he's going up against UAB this week, which already had a pretty suspect rushing defense and a and ter- a good passing defense. So a lot of teams have been able to take advantage of UAB on the ground. But also UAB is coming off a very very physical game against LSU. They are battered, they're bruised. UTSA or LSU also had their way on the ground with UAB that D line is probably going to be beat up. And I think a talented, it looks like running freshman running back in Marquise Crosby, I think could take advantage of that and have a huge, huge day against Louisiana or for Louisiana tech against UAB and for your championship rosters. What do you think, Nate?
1: Yeah. Um, I think this is a solid play as well. Um, I think that there could be a negative game script against UAB because UAB is just simply the better team, but they're not the type of team that can run away and hide um, if you know what I mean. So I think Louisiana tech will kind of hang around in there and UAB is definitely um, not a good run defense. So uh, there's potential for him as long as Louisiana tech sticks with the ground game. I think we, we could see him have another strong day.
0: Yeah, definitely. Once again, you're looking at his reception work, the game script, idea is definitely out there because again he's not a receiving back he's not a, somebody that they're going to pass the ball to once they get down that's all, that's definitely worrying but even in games where they again you look at their game against florida uh fiu they lost that game he's still got 21 carries for over 100 yards and two touchdowns in the game where with rice where it was an absolute shootout 14 carries 87 yards no touchdowns in that game but still a pretty productive day on the ground. And in, and in their wins as well when they were beating, uh, when they beat Middle Tennessee. 24 carries, 123 yards, no touchdowns there. But still, he's involved no matter what, at least from what I've seen over the last five weeks. So I feel pretty comfortable picking him up and possibly starting him. No honorable mentions at running back this week. We'll just go ahead and move on over to the wide receivers here. And once again, these graphics, man. Just. Ay, ay caramba. Anyway, Nate, first guy is Malik Heath. Go ahead and start telling everybody about him.
1: Yeah, so he's coming off a strong game, nine catches, 140 yards and a touchdown against Arkansas uh who has a really bad pass defense. Um but he's got double digit targets in three of his last four games. He has taken over Mingo as the number one go-to guy for Jackson Dart there. They play the Egg Bowl on Thursday against Mississippi State. There's really good shootout potential there. Um Leach is going to throw the ball 100 times minimum yep. and um so you know, this is gonna be the the main guy through the air for uh for old miss. I, I like this play um quite a bit and I, I think he continues with this double digit target streak.
0: Double digit target streak is definitely great. His disappearance against Texas A&M is not, but again, I am hoping that is the exception to the rule here. And Mississippi State's rushing defense is honestly kind of an underrated Deal about that team. Everybody focuses on the offense and everybody kind of knows they have a relatively decent defense, but it's really that rushing defense, their ability to stop the run on people. They did it against Georgia, who ran for over 200 yards on Kentucky and Auburn. They shut down Georgia's running game pretty much the entirety of the game. So Judkins could be in for a relatively rougher day. Obviously, he's very talented. He could still have a very nice say. It could force Old miss to pass a little bit more. And I think, like you said, Nate, Malik keith is going to be that main be- beneficiary here. 10 targets, 12 targets in the last two games, 200-yard games, only one touchdown because, again, obviously, Quinchon Judkins basically punches it in whenever they need to. But I kind of like the play here. He wouldn't be somebody I would be, like, clawing uh, hand and feet over everybody else to try to grab off the waiver wire. I feel like more than likely I have a better option on my roster already. But overall, I like the play.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I like that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's all I got, man. That's yeah. good. Hmm.
0: All right, uh, next up we got Elijah Cook's wide receiver out of San Jose State. 28 percent. We've talked about him really before already on this program, so I won't spend too long on him. Three double digit targets out of the last uh, double digit target games out of the last five games. Uh, and when he doesn't hit double digits, he's still getting eight, nine targets. He is the number one option for Chevon Cordero throughout this year I we were all really concerned about his health but clearly clearly when Cordero needs that dude Cooks is the first guy that he looks for especially we saw this past week he is the go-to guy around the end zone and when they are down in a game he is looking for Cooks no reason not to expect he won't be able to do that again this week against Hawaii Hawaii kind of come along as the year going to come along they are scoring more points than they were near the beginning of the year they can have some shootout potential for this game against san jose state but also regardless they have a pretty terrible defense And san jose state when they are facing some pretty bad defenses are able to put together some really really good performances on the offensive side of the ball and elijah cooks is always involved in that no reason if he is on your on your waiver wire not to go and pick him up what do you think nate
1: yeah, I don't have much to add with this. We've talked about him before. I love Elijah Cooks. I'm so happy to see him really balling out this year and, oh, yeah. and not not having the injury issues that he's had the last couple of years. So, uh definitely good for him. Hawaii is a great matchup, man. This is what you this is what you this is what you drafted this guy for. This is what you picked him up for a few weeks ago. If you read my article as far as like stock up, mid-season stock up, guys. I'm glad to see he's he's showing out really well. So, uh yeah, easy easy play here. Yeah. Easy easy play. Last but not least, a guy that's kind of flown under the radar a little
0: bit this year because nobody really thinks about Southern Miss, but Jason Brownlee, over the last four, five, four weeks of the season, has really started to come along for Southern Miss. We thought that maybe they would start looking elsewhere for their number one wide receiver, but here he is, taking his claim once again. Nine targets, 11 targets, 14 targets, and 13 targets over the last four games, 300-yard games in that bunch. And he has seen three touchdowns in the last four games. He's going up against UL Monroe this week. Again, UL Monroe, kind of a relatively underrated defense, but at the same time, nothing that the Southern Miss offense can't handle. I really like the fact that he is getting more and more involved as the stretch comes down here for Southern Miss. Um, They should be fighting for whatever wins they could be getting right now in order to make a bowl game. I think Brownlee will be a huge part of it here. What do you think, Nate?
1: Yeah, I think this is a really nice call. You, you added him here to the list. I liked it a lot. Um, he's, he's definitely flown under the radar because Southern miss has just been so inept at quarterback and they can't get anything consistent, but whoever they have back there throws the ball to Jason Brownlee. He's yep. by far their best option. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, He's uh, even though it's a bad passing offense, he's, he's the alpha here. So um, I think this is a a strong play. ULM will score enough to kind of make this, you know, you know, one of those kind of like 28, 24 type games. And I I think there's potential that he, he gets a touchdown out of that.
0: Yeah. And uh, um, just to reiterate again, Southern Miss is playing for a bowl game here. So they're going to need to rely on their studs in order to get them there. UL Monroe, like I said, that's not a challenge that they can't overcome. I expect pretty good days out of Frank Gore. I expect pretty good days out of Jason Brownlee here. Mm -hmm. I was starting with confidence this week if you need a wide receiver that you are looking for to have a pretty high floor and a high ceiling. Yep. Last guy I'll throw out here. We talked about him last week. So um, again, not spending too long here. It's an honorable mention. Elijah Badger, wide receiver out of Arizona State, had a kind of a stinker of a day last week against... um, God, who did they play last week?
1: Um... I don't know either I don't know State. regardless he's playing Arizona this week
0: as as Nate said before the, before the playoffs even started go find the guys that are playing against Arizona it's one of those defenses that you know you want to get a piece of when you have a player going against them Elijah Badger has had really good weeks leading up to last week even though last week is a little bit of a stinker he should have a really big day against Arizona Arizona has been giving up a ton in the passing game he is the clear number one wide receiver there I would feel very, very good about Badger going into that.
1: Nate, you have any thoughts on Badger, real quick? No, I, we've talked about him before. He, he's a solid play. It was Oregon State. Um, it was Oregon I was State, right? Yeah, and Oregon State does a really good job of shutting down uh, offenses and their best wide receivers, or passing games and their best wide receivers. So, yeah, this is a great. There's, they're going to have to score a lot to keep up with Arizona.
0: Yeah, to give you an idea of how good Oregon State is, uh, that passing attack and offense that we have seen from Oregon. Only a three-point favorite against Oregon State this week.
1: Oregon State's the only defense that shut down Caleb Williams this year.
0: Yeah, they got they got a really solid defense over there. So, Mm -hmm. props to the Beavers. And after we give props to the Beavers, that'll bring us to the end of our show. What a way to end the show! Props
1: to the Beavers. Props to the Beavers. (laughs) Hashtag props to the Beavers. Um,
0: I'm I'm putting that in the just I'm gonna add that at the end of our the tweet that goes out. Uh, Perfect. Hashtag props to the Beavers. Nate, really appreciate you joining, man. Again, glad we could give a preview to this Magnum Opus article that you've been working on for weeks. I really hope people enjoy it. Go check out all of our articles over at campusacant.com. We got an entire CFF section over there for you guys. It'll help you out in your CFF leagues, your C2C leagues. It's championship week. We are set to obviously help you guys get that done this week. Chris Moxie and I'll be on later this week to help you with your sit-start discussions. But also... We got to start pivoting to thinking about to next year as well. We'll start thinking about who's coming back, who's not, who's transferring, who's not. How do coaching changes affect everything? We will get all of that figured out. We will also have a 2022 recap show. It'll be myself, Nate Marquise, and Chris Moxley, all three of us on the show at once. And we're pretty much going to dive into what we learned, what we think could apply moving forward for CFF, and all that good jazz. And we'll definitely cover all the top players and everything, how they got there. It'll be a ton of fun. Nate, do you want to say anything before we get out of here?
1: No, good luck to everybody in their, uh, their championship weeks. Um, Check out my article. I'm hoping to have it out by the middle of the week so that you can have it on your travels uh, for the holidays. Yeah. All righty y'all. Like Nate said, good luck in your
0: championship weeks. Really hope every one of you can win, which is unfortunately impossible, but (laughs) uh, again, good luck to everybody. And, uh, And again, some of you have started sending me uh, little notes thanking me for um, for how far you've made it into your season that you've gotten to the championship because of chasing and Natty. And I just want to say, first of all, thank you guys for listening and continuing to pr- provide us uh, viewership for this podcast every single week. You are the reason why we can keep it going. And again, those are very meaningful messages. And I just want to say, make sure you send that to literally everybody who has helped you along the way. He- getting little notes like that are incredible, incredible boost for all of the content creators out there that are putting sometimes hours, if not days worth of work each week into providing the content that you guys need. So again, just a quick shout out to everybody out there who has been doing working tirelessly throughout this college football season to provide content for everybody. You guys have all been amazing. With that being said, and after I'm done being a little sap over here, really appreciate all of you guys and you guys have a wonderful and blessed day. See y'all.